0: If you take your copy of the scriptures and open to Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter number 6. The song we just sang says, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ. Who likes it when someone boasts? Anyone besides yourself? Don't say you like it when you boast. So I was pulling up to a car at a stoplight a while back and I saw a bumper sticker that I had not seen for a long time. My child is an honor roll student. Anybody in here have that bumper sticker? And then you've seen the other ones. My poodle is smarter than your honor roll student. In those moments, someone boasts in the accomplishment of the ones they love. Or how about you get on social media and you see someone says, just finished an eight-mile run in sub-seven minute time. Just keeping up the fitness trend. Hashtag would have been six minutes if it wasn't 25 below in Minnesota. And in that moment, someone boasts in their physical accomplishments. Or your coworker tells you yet another story in which they are the hero. No one likes a boaster. But you know what's funny about boasting? When we boast. It reveals what we value. You want to know what someone loves? You want to know what someone values? Listen to what they boast about. When they boast, they show what they love. They show what they treasure. They show what they value the most. They give us a glimpse to the deepest part of their hearts. For when they say, I did this, what are they also saying? Boasting's a funny thing. Boasting makes us exclusive, which is what we all want to be, right? I did this, implication meaning you did not do what I did. I have this, you don't have what I have. Or I am this, you're not what I am. We never like it when people do that. And the reason we don't like it is because we want the spot that they're exalting themselves to. Oh, if there was only one thing that we could all boast in together. Oh, if there was only one thing that we could all say, we all have this and none of us deserved it and it cannot be taken away from us no matter what we do. Oh, for one thing like that. Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18. Listen to the Apostle Paul. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ through which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation and those who will walk by this rule peace and mercy be upon them and upon the israel of god from now on let no one cause me trouble For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. I take the key phrase of this passage to be found in the first part of verse 14. Would you look at that again with me? But may it never be an incredibly strong negative statement. God forbid that I would boast Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will not boast in myself or anything that I have done. I will boast in the cross of Christ, and that's what Paul invites us to do this evening. Boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, what does the cross represent? To us, a couple thousand years after the cross, I think we've actually been desensitized to what the cross would have meant to the people who saw Paul write this or or heard this read to them. Boast in the cross? In the in the crooks in the in the word that refined society dares not mention, because of the associations to the worst of the worst and the, the horrific graphic nature of death, you boast in the cross, Paul, boasting in the cross is an unpopular thing, but it's the call here for a unified boast, of all Christians, to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what I would like to propose for you this evening, the unified boast of all Christians is the cross of Jesus Christ. I know you know that, I know you've heard that. I wanna unpack this text for us this evening as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the Lord's Supper. The unified boast of all Christians is the cross of Jesus Christ, why is that? I see at least three reasons why the unified boast of all Christians is the cross of Jesus Christ in this passage. Let me give you three, number one, Boast in the cross of Jesus Christ because the cross makes us a new creation. The cross makes us a new creation. Look at verse 15 with me again. Paul says, For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to your relationship with your God, what do you bring to the table? What good did you accomplish to bring about this relationship? What counts in your performance? Do you have an inflated view of yourself? The the passage in 1 Corinthians 4 comes to my mind where Paul had to ask the Corinthians this question. Who regards you, Corinthians, as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? What counts in your relating to God. Well, Paul gives us something that doesn't count before he tells us what does count. Circumcision or uncircumcision, neither of those count when it comes to your relation with God. Now, what is Paul talking about here? Why is he talking about circumcision? Well, the whole argument of the book, Paul has been talking about a group of people that have come in and have manipulated the gospel towards their own ends. They have made it a false gospel, a group called the Judaizers. And when Paul would come in and plant a church and give the pure, unadulterated gospel, Jews would creep in and they would say, yeah, Jesus, he's a great guy. He did a great thing. You need to believe in Jesus. Paul, yeah, great guy, great preacher. Looks kind of funny, but he's a great preacher. Listen to him, but also you need to do this. Namely, you need to follow the law, especially be circumcised. This Judaizer mentality has been repackaged a hundred or a thousand ways since Christ. It is simply the gospel that says Jesus, yes, plus fill in the blank. Paul is telling them here at the conclusion of his letter the import of what he is saying regarding the cross of Christ and the new creation. Look back at verse number 11. And you can just see the Apostle Paul here grabbing the pen from his amanuensis and saying, I got this next verse. See what large letters I'm writing to you with. Don't miss this. Galatians, he wants them to know how important these next words are. And he goes on to talk about the motivations in verses 12 and 13 of the Judaizers. Those who would add to the gospel. When you add to the gospel, when you say Jesus plus, you devalue Jesus. When you say Jesus plus, you say Christ is not sufficient. And the Judaizers are emphasizing something else and therefore not emphasizing Christ at all. What are they motivated motivated by? We don't have time to unpack verses 12 and 13, but if you just look at them quickly, it's pretty straightforward. What are the Judaizers motivated by? They're motivated by Christ plus the fear of man. They're motivated by Christ plus hypocritical legalism and Christ plus the pride of works. So Paul brings it back to the cross at the end of the book. If you're boasting in anything at all in addition to the cross, then you are not boasting in the cross at all. Circumcision nor uncircumcision, not worth boasting about, but... A new creation. Have you been made new? Do you understand the importance of having to have been made new? Do you understand the deep depravity of your own soul? you understand that you cannot reform yourself, clean yourself up, dress yourself up to come to God, but God must make you a new creation. And how does God do that? He does it through the cross. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Down in verse 21, God made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Is that your testimony? No amount of family heritage or religious works will or can save you. Think of John 3 when Jesus tells one of the most religious men of the day these words. You must be what? Born again. And do not marvel! that I tell you, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you are corrupt down to the core of your soul. You must be born again. You must be made a new creation. We all desire to be clean. I'm I'm sure many of us are haunted at the guilt of the past that we have. Do Do you have confidence that God has made you new in Christ Jesus? May today be the day where you cast your guilt and your burden of sin on Christ and let him make you new. Your value is not based on cleaning yourself up or reforming your life and then presenting yourself to Christ. Your value is made and fixed at the cross of Jesus Christ. We know this, we sing this, we sing songs like Just As I Am Without One Plea. One of my favorite lines in all of hymnody is the third stanza of Come Ye Sinners, where we read, Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. We must be made a new creation. And if this is not the rule that you live by, you will always fear man. Man you'll always be living for their approval and I don't know about you but I have never made one person happy every day or everybody happy on the same day and that's coming from a music guy so trust me on that okay I've been thinking of a song all week as I've been preparing and this is not usual for us but I'd actually like us to sing this at the conclusion of point number one so if you received one of those handouts when you came in this is the song we're going to sing if you did not It's not a complicated tune, you can listen to it while the rest of us sing it, but I think it explains very well the first point, that we need to be made a new creation. It's called, My Worth is Not in What I Own. Let's sing this together, or listen as we sing. singing that with me thank you melody for playing boast in the cross of jesus christ for it makes you a new creation secondly the cross of jesus christ gives us a new community boast in the cross because it gives us a new community now you might be saying pastor dan i did not see the word community in this passage and you're correct you did not but let me persuade you here when god calls you out of the darkness of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of his marvelous light he does not leave you alone or without a family. And I trust you can say amen to that. You are not alone in this world as a believer, as one of God's children. This this concept is taught in multiple places in the New Testament. First Corinthians twelve, Paul says that when you were saved, you were made into a part of a new body. You are an individual member, but you are a part of a whole body. Recognize that passage, chapter 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. You are not a lone ranger Christian. You are not to be a hermit living out in the wilderness, separating yourself from the rest of the believers, and, this is a strange thing to say, but you're not a severed foot just laying in a ditch somewhere, which is wrong and gross, you are a part of a body. Philippians 3.3, 3, Paul calls this body the true circumcision. In 1 Peter 2, Peter calls us living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Just previously in verse 10 of Galatians 6, Paul calls us the household of faith. 1 Corinthians 10.32, Paul says the church of God. Do you see where I'm getting community from in this passage? <clears throat> Look with me at verse <clears throat> Excuse me. Look with me <clears throat> at verse 16. And those who will walk by this rule peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The only time we see this this phrase mentioned in the New Testament. This is not a reference showing that the church has replaced Israel. This is something that Paul has been arguing for throughout the book of Galatians. In Galatians 3 Paul is arguing that not just Jews or Gentiles alone, separately, are sons of Abraham, but both Jews or Gentiles are spiritual sons of Abraham, both by faith in Jesus Christ. Look back at chapter 3, verse 7, if you want to see that. Know then, Paul says, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Paul is advancing the idea of a spiritual family not based on bloodline, but by faith. That is the Israel of God. Earlier in the service, at the beginning of the service, just a couple pages away, we read Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 13 as our call to worship. Would you go over to chapter 2 again? Look at verse 14 with me. You read the book of Ephesians, and you see there there are two distinct groups represented. Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews, Jews and barbarians, pagans, And both groups did not like each other. Both groups thought they were better than the other. Both groups were racists, ethnically biased. They wouldn't eat in one another's homes, but listen to the incredible and beautiful words that Paul tells them based on the salvation that we've been given, not through circumcision or uncircumcision, but faith. Verse 14, for he, Christ himself, is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building, Being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. What is the Israel of God? It is a new community of people that have been called out by God by virtue of being made a new creation, not by any works that they can claim. And week after week, smaller versions of the Israel of God gather together to worship their great God in local church assemblies. For example fourth baptist church do you rejoice in this community that god has given us do you treasure and love this community do you love the local church such an easy question to say yes to are you nothing but a consumer within this community or do you invest in the community I wonder what our first answer would be, and it wouldn't be wrong. And I'm, I'm My heart as one of your pastors is not just for us to come every week and hear information and to be boasting in what we learn and know. But I wonder how many of us would say, if asked, why do you go to that church, your first answer would be because of the preaching. That wouldn't be a wrong answer. Because Pastor Matt, he's a preacher above all, well maybe here, above all preachers you can tell him i did that later and he is a great preacher but it would thrill my heart to no end to hear one of us say i love going to that church yeah the preaching's good but i am loved there i can bear my soul there i can confess my sins there and people will love me and pour their hearts into me invest in me and I am being transformed into the character and image of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Do you love this community? It is such a gift that God has given to us. The world does not understand this family. I trust that it is a mystery to them as they see us love one another. Boast in the cross, for it is by Jesus, or it is, this, it is through the cross that Jesus gave us this new community. And then lastly, Boast in the cross of Jesus Christ because through it God gives us a new creed. A new creed, a new motto to live by. Look again with me at verse number 14. Such powerful, potent words that Paul gives us. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We don't normally do this, but can I ask you to say this motto with me? I'll say it once, and then would you say it with me? I am dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. I am dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. That is the motto that the Apostle Paul has here. Why is it so important that we remind ourselves that the world has been crucified to us? Because we're still in this world, aren't we? We're not supposed to be of the world, but we're in the world. This world that we live in, we are so intimately familiar with it. Our flesh so longingly desires its principles, its philosophies. We have to remind ourselves that when we become a new creation and have been put into a new community, We are no longer to live by the world's philosophies. We're no longer to worship the idols that it worships. We're no longer to love what it loves. We're no longer to share its values. I am dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. Back in Galatians 2, Paul says it this way, a verse we know very well. I have been crucified with Christ And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Believer, you have to remember this. To place your confidence, your faith, your trust in the cross of Christ alone is an exclusive statement that people will be offended by. When you say, I am dead to the world and the world is dead to me, I place my stake in a cross, people aren't gonna like that. Because in their mind, what are you saying? You're better than them. In their mind, what are you saying? I no longer need you. In their mind, what are your friends and families hearing you say? You're, you're, I'm no longer one of you. You're too good for us. You don't need us anymore. You're no longer one of us. We don't like that. You're telling them, I don't love what you love anymore. I don't live for what you live for anymore. And you face this tension of how do I live in this world with people that I love when I don't love anymore what they love. Is anybody facing that tension in this world? To the world... To your family, it's as if you've abandoned them. And in a sense, you have. Because you're dead to the world, and the world is dead to you. You've been crucified to them in the way they think, and this causes great pain. This causes great suffering in human relationships because we love our family. And sometimes it becomes quite literally a battleground. Do you think Paul knows this? What do you picture the Apostle Paul looking like? You think of him as like this Stoic Greek philosopher, really wise looking guy? Or how do you picture the Apostle Paul walking into your town starting to preach the gospel? I think of 2 Corinthians 11 where Paul speaks of his, his boasting in the flesh as, as making a point. What does a man who has been whipped 39 times five different times look like? What does a man who has been stoned to the point of being left for dead look like? What does a man who has lived a life of withdrawal, starvation, and you name it, he lived it, what does that man look like? It does not look like comfort. It does not look like being well-fed or being well-liked. Paul says association with Christ will cost you something. It will cost you everything sometimes and those who are connected to the community of Christ those who have been made a new creation they're not to be beautiful they're not to be comfortable they're not to be fat they're not to be country club they're to be not motivated by the acceptance of everyone else they are to look like they bear the brand marks of their savior stop talking to me Paul says about the marks of your flesh Look at the brand marks I bear for my savior. Stop talking to me about what you boast in. I boast in my redeemer. And the stigmata that I literally have scarred into my body. I came across a poem as I was studying this week written by Amy Carmichael. That name probably sounds familiar to you. She was an Irish missionary to the orphans in India. She writes this poem called simply No Scar, which is a poem from the perspective of Christ and his followers to professing followers. Listen to this. Have you no scar? No hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear you sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail your bright ascendant star, and have you no scar? Have you no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent, leaned against the tree to die, and rent by ravening beasts that compassed me. I swooned, and have you no wound? No wound? No scar? Yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me, but yours are whole. Can he have followed far who bears no wound nor scar? Beloved, what do you do about Christ when it costs you something? Father, thank you for the privilege of knowing Christ. We boast in the cross, that sacred tree, which is our identity, our value worth because on it our savior died and through his death lord we can be made a new creation there is no other option it's not jesus plus it's jesus alone and through being made a new creation you have made us part of a new community that i trust we love and we are growing to love more day by day week by week year after year and Lord, you have given us a new creed to live by, which we have to remind ourselves of daily because, as the hymn writer says, the, the lights in this world, they dazzle us. <laughs> and we run to them so quickly. But as we partake this evening as a unified body, remembering the death and resurrection and imminent return of our Savior, may we remember we are dead to the world and the world is dead to us. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.